When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to catch a flight soon so we're going to do this podcast right before i get on a plane purple insider podcast from the indiana convention center at the nfl combine matthew collar along with pro football focuses eric eager what is up eric how are you uh, i'm doing great uh you know i have not gotten a full night of sleep all week um i i haven't woken up in time for breakfast uh today so uh things are going well <laughs> yeah uh, i think every night Eastern time, so I'm actually built for this. Eastern time, it's been close to two or three, but that's really nothing for me. Like Central time, it just prepares you for anything you need. So you go out to the West Coast if you've got Central time, and you're like, oh, I'm a man. morning person. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, this is right. I'm up at six. Yeah. I could get so much done. And then you come out to the East, and you're like, I could stay up so late. I'm not even tired. And plus, me not being a drinker, everybody else is walking around here like ghouls and zombies. And I'm like, morning, everyone. Yeah. How are you? You want to uh, diet Dr. Pepper? Indianapolis being Eastern Standard Time is pretty funny, in my opinion. Yeah, it is weird, right? Uh, like, because we're, nev- we're nowhere wise. close to a coast. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you know, but I guess uh, from a population standpoint, I guess it makes sense. But, yeah, the, this place has been great. I mean, it's been fun to, uh, you know, talk to people we haven't seen. For, I mean, this is the first time – this is the first combine in two years, right? So we, the, the this is the last time, you know, we've gotten to see a lot of people. First time we've gotten to see a lot of people. And, you know, unlike the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is sort of like one of those where it, it's media members – here you actually get to see, you know, sort of coaches and uh, and and players in some cases. Like Allen Robinson makes this every single year, interestingly. So um, it, it's a it's a it's certainly a spectacle for sure. It's like the it's like the uh, conference for football every year, basically. Did you tell me you saw RG three in sweats, or who said that? Oh, Eric Edholm. Eric Edholm tweeted that he saw RG three walking around in like uh, I, sweats. I the one of the first people I talked to on Tuesday morning was. Quesi Adolfo Mensa, who was wearing uh, a, a, a tracksuit of a man who just signed a four-year, twelve million dollar deal. <laughs> uh, he. This is so funny because Quesi and Kevin O'Connell are doing this whole best friends thing, mm-hmm. and I think it was Quesi talking about how he got out of his car one day at the same time as Kevin O'Connell, probably at three a.m. at least to come grind the tape, yeah. and they were both wearing sweats. And they were like, oh, you wear sweats, too, to the office? Like, do we just become best friends? They're like, guys, this is a little much. Okay, it's a little much. But um, no, Continuing it- the tradition of great friendships at Minnesota Vikings between general manager <laughs> and head coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think Mike Zimmer or Rick Spielman knew what each other was wearing because they weren't talking. Uh, but uh, it, it's, it's always interesting when it's somebody's first time at anything. Like, first time at the Combine. Will Raggetts was on the show the other day. It's his first Combine, so it's fun to ask. Like, hey, what's, what's, your first, what's been your first Combine like? 
And with Kevin O'Connell and Kwesi Adolfo-Mensah, the, the, the answer will be it was the easiest one because there were no questions to answer about mistakes they made. Yep. And so both of them have had big smiles on their faces. And then you look at some of the other guys who have been around, you know, John Lynch, Doug Peterson, like different people who I've stood near, Howie Roseman. And there's just a little less, there's a little less glow. And I was watching Kevin Stefanski interview, uh, take interview questions. And it was, do you believe in Baker Mayfield? And Kevin Stefanski is not a rattleable human being. Uh, but you could see some of the like deep breaths that were being yeah. taken of just, yeah, yeah, I'm confident in him. Don't you think that Baker Mayfield should have had some backup quarterback competition? Like, that was a real question. Like, excuse me? Who are they? Oh, what was Vinny Testaverde supposed to come in here? Yeah. Eric Zier? It was like, it was such a asinine question. Kelly Holcomb, like, at what? least. Is that a real thing that someone thinks that someone was supposed after Baker had a good year and took them very close to going to the AFC Championship that they were supposed to have competition for him last year at backup quarterback? Also, Case Keenum is good and won them a game as like a backup goes. Right. And there's Kevin Stefanski with just this like blank look on his face, and then he had a deep breath and yeah, uh, you know, I think that uh, I was very happy with the competition we had on a daily basis. And you could just see, like, yeah, the, the man's been beaten down. Because when you don't win, you get beaten down as a head coach. And yeah. to see two fresh-faced gentlemen who did, who are not jaded and who have not been crushed for their mistakes and questioned over and over and over and over again is interesting, and I'll remember it, because a year from now it'll be different, and two years from now it could be very different. Uh, but then if you win, you get to prance around here like you're the, you know, the, mm -hmm. the whole, you know, bell of the ball. But it's just kind of a funny thing and very different for me because Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer were just they were so grizzled by the point we got to the combine two, two, three years ago. And even just covering this last year, that everything was sort of contentious. Everything was sort of tense. Yeah. And now we're asking questions in the same way, like very carefully, as we got used to with those guys. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've got lots of answers to your question, lots of words to tell you and yeah. quote me up. And it's, it's just been such a different experience. And I don't know how you feel about Quasi Adolfo Mensa from a analytics standpoint. It has blown me away, though, that listening to him is like listening to the PFF Forecast podcast, which is what you and George Shahuri do. Because he has such a sharp understanding of how all of this works, how to apply analytics to football, yeah. that I'm really impressed. I think it'll be the last time we ever hear him be this honest about it. Yep. But I, I've come away from this thinking, I believe that he really gets it from that perspective of things. Yeah, I mean, he, he he's such a, you know, I, I it's always so hard to attribute credit, right? When he was on the 49ers, um, I know the people who he left back after he left and went to go join Andrew Barry uh, in, in Cleveland, they swear by him. They, they you know, talk about how great he was as a leader. And, and obviously the guy's sharp. If you're trading commodities, you know, you come into football, um, you know, Cleveland was one of the best analytic staffs uh, in all of football. You know, the, I, I know, you know, you talk about the forecast, like, you know, if I say something silly on my podcast, some somebody from the Browns will email me, right? So there, you know, we, we might have the first GM who listens to the show. Who knows? Um, uh, but the 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 thing that impresses upon me, so like, you know, he'll 
he'll come over and he, you know, he came over to, you know, our sort of, uh, you know, where we're meeting with teams and he, he wasn't a part of these meetings, obviously, because he's delegating at this point with Minnesota, but, you know, he just thanked some of us, you know, sort of for the help, you know, like, hey, you know, you know, the, this whole analytics community sort of won a little bit here, right? And, and he's sort of the, the standard bearer for us all. And like, and, and that's, and I think he understands the sort of gravity that he has as somebody who carries that torch, right? Like he, he knows that he has, you know, I think he knows that he has to be a good representative of the analytics community, which, you know, I think is some pressure. And it's why, I mean, it, like, you know, we're not allowed to root as much, you know, but like I'll be rooting for him obviously because he's a great person and he, you know, and, and he deserves this opportunity, but also because I think it'll move football forward if he has success. I think there'll be more people like him who get general manager jobs. And, um, and, and you know, like, I, like you said, it's sort of different how he talks about the game, right? It's different how he talks about the game and it's different, um, you know, but I think it's different in a good way. And I think that it, it holds, you know, the, there's so many fewer holes to the arguments um, and there's so many fewer, and there's a humility to it as well. There's like, when you're a data-driven person, um, you're, you're, it's less of like, hey, I know better. And it's more like, hey, this information is what I'm going off of. It's less personal. It's less me. It's more, it's more, let me be driven by this information. The tricky beast, though, to analytics is that the analytics will tell you percentages and chances and odds, and you're playing those odds. But there are times where those odds just don't hit and they don't hit repeatedly. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you, I remember reading this about flipping a coin and if, if there was a study where they had two people flip coins, but one person was supposed to imagine the coin flips and the other person was supposed to do them. And the person that imagined the coin flips did basically every other and even yeah, it yeah, out yeah, yeah, because yeah. they know it's a 50, 50 chance. The person who did the thousand coin flips for real got like 40 heads in a row yeah yeah the, the the probability of those strings are pretty big i mean that's how i don't know how familiar you are with freakonomics um but that essentially that's how they d discovered the chicago public school teachers were cheating on the standardized tests because you know actual random sequences are clumpy more clumpy than we think and so if you're trying to sort of fake randomness you you make things too even and it's easy to detect so yeah, and look, there was you know it's not that hard to figure out which team this was, but but yesterday you know I was in a meeting with a team that had you know really been really been forward looking on fourth downs, and there were some high profile games where they did not convert those plays, and so we were sort of talking about kind of the habits of mind, right? The players, how the players need to deal with you know sort of the higher variances of going for more fourth downs or you know that kind of thing, and and. I was really impressed with the commitment to wanting to win football games and the commitment to, um, you know, we might have been nine and eight this year, but like we gave ourselves the best chance to win. And I would, I don't want to turn our backs on that just because we had a season where it wasn't, uh, you know, it didn't work out quite as well for us. So I think, it, it, but you're right. I mean, there's going to be a point like, you know, and that and that's what makes it hard. Quesia Dofamensa has four years. He has a four-year contract, and you know. What happens if he goes 0 for 4 on first round picks? Like that doesn't mean he's a bad evaluator. Sometimes that you know, sometimes that's just the luck of the draw, right? And, and just the same way that Rick Spielman's 2015 draft didn't make him a good general manager, and his 2016 draft didn't make him a bad general manager, right? They, it's the same person doing both drafts. Um, so, so that those are the things that I think Vikings fans are going to have to be 
patient with is is this idea that um, you know just because somebody is using a data driven approach, they're trying to get 52 percent, fifty fifty five percent, and so uh, you know in the short term, fifty two percent and fifty five percent look an awful lot like fifty percent. <laughs> right, but from my perspective and from fans' perspective. If you lose, I don't care what percent you claim it was. And and that is the harsh reality of the thing, because even though we could evaluate their decisions and say, you know what, at the time I might have done the same thing Mm -hmm. or at the time I didn't criticize it. A good example would be the Sam Bradford trade. At the time, I looked at the Vikings and the roster they had and said, this is a good idea because you won the division the previous Mm -hmm. year. Your team is stacked. You could have a top five defense in the league. You've got a good coach. You have good wide receivers. You need to win, and you should do this. And in the long term, that was a total bust. They missed the playoffs with Sam Bradford. The next year, the team was so good, they could go to the NFC Championship with a backup-level quarterback. Imagine how much better they could have been if they weren't paying him whatever, $20 yeah. million or something, yep. that they had been paying him. Oh, and by the way, Derek Barnett, the guy that was drafted by the Eagles, made the key sack in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that's always a difficult challenge of the draft and i asked quasi directly about this and the randomness and he said exactly what you said like that he thinks that there are areas where they can spot that can give them a little better odds of being correct but the the way that i look at it is with the draft is okay there's the quarterback thing it's a totally separate conversation from just about anything mm-hmm. but I also think that there are ways to insulate yourself from the effect of failure outside of the quarterback position. If you draft Dwayne Haskins, that can really hurt you. (laughs) It really, really hurt you. But if Washington hadn't gotten afraid the next draft and had just drafted Justin Herbert, like they'd be in a totally different spot. Even if they drafted Tua, they would have been in a totally different mm-hmm. spot because they have a strong team. So I think that there's the ways to insulate yourself from the effects of failure that will absolutely happen to you in one way is to not let the previous failure impact your next decision. Yes. And the other way is to be very savvy in free agency where it's more predictable. Free agency is a little bit random, but it's not anywhere near random because you have big sample sizes. And so there are every year there are really smart decisions team make in free agency that win them games and win them Super Bowls. And that is an area where if you are smart there, you can mitigate some of the effect. I think if you don't sign yourself up for contracts that are very risky and you sign young ish players, I think the age of free agents should really matter. If you're 32, you're putting your life in your hands. If you're 27, you've got a much better chance. And to be able to spot guys and this is something that PFF has sort of like made its money on is being able to say these numbers point to this free agent that could be more successful. And that's where I feel like Quasi Adafo Mensa gives himself a better chance. And the other thing is, too, that when you like a player that you drafted, I think he'll be more ruthless and no one's perfect, but I think he'll be more ruthless than Rick Spielman to say, no, we drafted him. It's a hit in the draft, so we need to double down on this player. We need to give Delvin Cook a big contract. Since Delvin Cook got his contract, they haven't made the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I think that – so a, a couple of things. I, 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 I agree with you. I think that the a big thing is free. you can do that kind of stuff in free agency if you get the quarterback position right. And I don't mean get the quarterback position right as in – get a top eight quarterback, uh, you know, no, uh, no matter what, right. It, it's, you know, getting, 
and I, I wrote this article, PFF.com. It was very much motivated by this Cousins discussion, although uh, I've had this similar. I was on uh, Brown's radio yesterday talking about, you know, sort of what the Baker Mayfield thing is. It's like it, it, the if you get the quarterback position right, which is to say have a good enough team to support a rookie quarterback on a rookie, or quarterback on a rookie deal, or you identify a quarterback who is good enough to earn the market level deal, then you then free agency is a savvy thing because you know you can because it's not only just who you get, it's also who where you can slough off, right? So like take take the Cincinnati Bengals for an example. Cincinnati has a great quarterback, right? They hit on the quarterback. They they put I think the Bengals I forget what number it was like they have like I believe six or seven defensive backs who have over a thousand snaps with a different team. So when they sign Trey Waynes and he fails, everybody you know I think a lot of people are like oh that's a the, the Bengals oh my gosh they sucked it's like well no like they found five defensive backs that could get them to the Super Bowl shut down Patrick Mahomes in an AFC title game, and so like you look about it in the aggregate and this is where I think Quesia Dofamensa has a really good chance of overcoming some of the failures of other general managers because it's that right it's i drafted nick i drafted nick chubb i drafted dalvin cook and this is where i think he's got to go away from being andrew barry a little bit i drafted nick chubb i drafted dalvin cook and damn it he was good that contract is is every bit a, a reward of him as it is for the general manager right and so having somebody who has less of an ego is going. I think that that that's going to be avoided more often, and it'll be to the Vikings' benefit, right? Like, you know, we have not seen. There are not instances of teams other than say Baltimore who just let free agents go, even ones that did really well. Yeah, Patriots um, too. And the Patriots, Patriots are the one, yeah, for sure. Um, and and that has to be your approach. But it starts with the quarterback. They have to get the quarterback position right, or none of this other stuff really matters they'll be chasing that decision uh much like Spielman did over the last four years so I want to talk about what we've heard in India about the Vikings quarterback situation because I was out last night and spent some time with I don't even know if I want to say like how specifically of these people's job roles I'll just say people who are in the league or have been in the league and I'm yeah. not talking about Sage Sage has already given his thoughts on the record but Sage is given. Just, by the way, Sage has given everybody his thoughts. <laughs> Sage <laughs> is the most talked to person I- at the combine. Like every yeah. every minute of every day he's been here, he's having a long conversation. I don't with even someone. know. By the way, I love <laughs> Sage. I have no idea what he does. Except Sage, for, he's just around. He's, a, he's, he's a, just Sage. He's an NFL socialite. That's what that is. What he is. No, Sage is doing a little bit of a lot of things. Like he does some media stuff in Chicago. And he's training quarterbacks. He worked with Brock Purdy. Yep. Uh, and he works with QB Collective. And he's just in a different place all the, every time I talk to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of his life. Like, he's invested his money really well. And I think that that has been a big benefit for him to kind of. He's not somebody who has bad days. Right. Yeah. He just kind of does whatever he feels like doing. Which yeah. So when we talked a while back, I was like, hey, you, you know, might you be around to come to the combine? I'd love to do that. It's like, sure. Okay. And. Yesterday, can I tell? I want to tell you a quick story about Sage, though, if you want to understand what kind of person he is. I have a friend who has written some books about football and is a coach and is really, really smart, X's and O's wise, a high school coach. And so I introduced him to Sage a few years ago. And so they met uh, really in person here, had a chance to talk here. 
and Sage took a picture of his book and texted it to an NFL coach, NFL head coach that he knows, just because he thought like, oh, this guy does good work and I want to help him out. Yeah, like that's what kind of person Sage is. So I think Sage is like going around doing good deeds and having fun conversations with Mm -hmm. people. I know that you know he spent some time talking with Kevin O'Connell because they know each other and there's so much respect for someone who spent that much time in the league and you really see it here around the NFL people and there's some and that was kind of the point that I was actually going to get to is talking to NFL people here if there are those Twitter accounts that you follow that tell you that Kirk Cousins deserves a contract extension no one agrees there was with one there was one that told me yesterday that he was better than Lamar Jackson no one agrees with them no one here agrees with them that's yeah. what I could tell you I have talked to no less than I don't know two dozen people who are in the NFL in some capacity, and I have not had a single person say that it's a good idea to extend Kirk Cousins. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I actually had similar experience with a, a person who, you know, I can't divulge a name, but like literally came up to me and was like, look, you know, thanks. You know, because here's the thing. I mean, people who pom pom for the team and, and it's fine if you do, by the way, if you're a fan. Like it's your, it's your, it's your, your, I mean, if you derive enjoyment that way, that's great. But, but analysts who pom pom for the team, like these people have been praised their whole life. It's, you're not at, you're, you're just, you're running up the score at that point. You're not adding a ton of value. These people really respect differences of opinion because within a team there, look, not every single person member of the Vikings in 2018 wanted to sign Kirk Cousins. I can tell you that right now. Right. So yeah, and sometimes if you offer opinions in the, in the public that are different, those opinions are shared within the team, right? And like, and also, you know, and, and so sometimes people appreciate them. But I, what I found was really interesting was there were, you know, somebody, yeah, yeah, like you said, every single opinion by somebody here has been what the truth is. I think, which is that Kirk Cousins is a pretty good quarterback at doing a number of things. And I think you and I differ a little bit here because I, I think. I, I actually do buy I actually do think he is a very talented player. I just but I, I am steadfast in the in the in the notion that it's not enough and it doesn't elevate and it's just not a good gamble for the team to make and it wasn't in twenty eighteen. And that is an opinion that is widely shared in the league. And so if you're the Vikings, it's tricky because you have to sort of convince a team to go away from your intuition like were the vikings the only team that thought that of him in, in, in 2018 18? yeah because because that's where i get worried if you're if you're trying to trade him like if all these other teams think you know if all these other teams think you can't build a team around him uh, <laughs> you're gonna be stuck holding the egg timer it's, it's really it's just been really an interesting experience and no i do think and i have talked sort of in depth about what cousins does well on the show but at this point it doesn't really matter like because yeah, it's yeah. not enough. Right. And so we could talk about like how well he executes certain types of 
throws and things like that. He was a better downfield passer than Matt Stafford last year. Yeah, yeah. Passes that went more than 20 yards, he was significantly better than Matt Stafford. So there's a lot of things that we could say that he does well. But you can't separate the player from the contract. And that's the thing about being here in Indy and getting to talk with people is you have people who are very knowledgeable, let's say, about the money side of things Yeah. who will say that just you can't build around that. There's yeah. just no way to do it. There's no amount of restructuring that allows you to do it. And then there are people on the former player side. I had a, a really good discussion with a former player about even some of the technical elements of Cousins that – makes him struggle in these situations, which, I mean, was really enlightening for me to understand that, just even the way that he throws the ball and, like, what's required to create the velocity yeah. of the ball and why that takes longer and why he has strip sacks and why he doesn't succeed under pressure and how those things will not change. And so that those are those – are, if I came here and had those people tell me, no, actually, they should extend Kirk, I don't know how much I would completely change my mind, yeah. but, I, but I would want to have that discussion a little more. Yeah. I just came here feeling like, let's see what everyone has to say, and let's see what the team has to say. And I am leaving to get on this flight soon thinking the Vikings and the rest of the people in the league are not seeing a good reason to extend him, which definitely relates to your point of who's trading for him and in what way. Because I do think there is an option here that's in the middle. Brad Spielberger suggested, well, well, you know, what if he signs a contract with another team or agrees to one before a trade? I think the option is take money back. Just take money back. Take a $20 million hit from Kirk Cousins this year or a $25 million Kirk Cousins hit. Accept the fact that you're still going to save money to spend in free agency and start the rest of your life. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask you about, because I know we agree on that. I wanted to ask you about analytics and looking at the quarterbacks because – this is so tricky, figuring out these quarterbacks. And I know the Vikings are going to use the fullest extent of the analytics yeah. that they possibly could in this universe. Is there an edge in this world to look at these quarterbacks and say Malik Willis is the guy or Matt Corral is the guy no. or Kenny Pickett is the guy? I don't think. I mean, you know, uh, uh, the article I wrote sort of went through all the first-round picks, right? And, like, and I think, like, the – it, the ordering is rarely, you know, it, it, you know, Trubisky. By the way, Trubisky won 29 of 50 starts for the Bears. You know, we everybody gets after. Oh, quarterback wins is not a is, QB wins isn't a stat. Like hell, it isn't. You know, interceptions are less stable year to year, and people cite qu- touchdown interception ratio. Right? If if interceptions are a quarterback stat, wins are a quarterback stat. Like we're all adults, and we all know that more things contribute to the win than just the quarterback. But more things contribute to every single thing a quarterback produces on the stat sheet. Right? So, um, but like if you look at even team success or you look at individual success, it's never. It's hardly ever linear, right? Like you look at 2017, it's Trubisky, Mahomes, Watson. It's probably it goes three, one, two in terms of how good they are, right? 2018, it goes Mayfield, uh, jo- Mayfield, Darnold, Darnold jo- yeah. Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson. So it probably goes what in that order? It's probably you know Rosen's last. Darnold, but Darnold still, they got a second round pick for Darnold in a trade. I mean, this is how valuable the position is, and that's why we're Vikings fans. Error. Is not it's not it's not looking at any one of those individual quarterbacks and being like that's the guy. It's looking at the decision to draft a quarterback, 
and the decision to build around him and say that's the right decision. Because, again, like there, it's very rare that a guy comes out and he's Josh Rosen. It, it's very, if you commit to building a good team around a, 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 play, a quarterback – you can when it's a rookie deal guy. You can't when it's a Kirk. Like that's the thing. You don't. You don't, you aren't even afforded the right to make the right decision around Kirk, where you are around these other guys. Even though it's a very it's a very low probability that even two of these guys are as good as a, of a player as Kirk. But they're going to be paid. You know, if Kirk takes the full forty five, a ninth of the cost, right? So he has to be like a ninth a ninth of his good to be on par plus the rest of the roster that, that, that's such an easy gamble to make now to answer your question i mean there are some things like you can look at the data but it's a low sample event and it and the league changes too like you can't like i think of kenny pickett kenny pickett's like jim mcmahon to me right so can that kind of quarterback win in this in this league less so than it could in the 80s but maybe you know like if you're a ready-made roster like new england was last year then mac jones is a great fit um, if, if you are you know, shooting for the moon, then Trey Lance might be a good pick for the Niners. You know, that kind of thing. Um, in, in this draft, I think it's styles make fights. I think, you know, uh, Malik Willis probably has, you know, the, the highest ceiling. Um, and it was very good for a bad Liberty team. Like, I mean, not record-wise, but that the supporting cast for Liberty was hor- horrendous last year. And, and he was wonderful despite that. So that's a trait I like. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Howell, he had similar things where they didn't have the receivers, and but the performance wasn't quite there. Um, the guy that I kind of like, you know, as a, a long shot is Desmond Ritter. I think Ritter's running ability gives you a floor right away, um, uh, but I don't necessarily know if he has a great ceiling as a passer. So, I mean, there there's useful there's useful quarterbacks in this draft, and I and I and I think people coming in and being cocksure of like this is a bad quarterback class, stay away, I feel like are making an error. And Kwesi Adolfo Mensa said the same thing, yeah. that you know it's just so hard to project that you have to accept that it might go wrong. But, you know, you, you talk about Josh Rosen, and I wonder what you think the di- distribution is. Because, I mean, I pull up drafthistory.com and look at this all the time. Yeah. And I know that you can sort of twist the to, well, what are your odds? The, the re, you know the past history doesn't exactly tell you your odds it just tells you what happened but these are five different human beings yeah. than they were in other drafts so it's not like you know Eric Zier has anything to do with I should have picked someone else who they picked uh, Brandon Whedon doesn't have anything to do with Kenny Pickett like those yeah. two aren't related um, your odds are probably different than history but I think the distribution I'm just going to take a shot at it and you tell me if you agree I think you have probably a 10% chance to pick someone truly excellent that will give you a chance to win a Super Bowl. That, that, that deserves a, a, a market deal. Think, yes. think Justin, like right now, Justin Herbert is the one, is like in that realm. Joe Burrow is in that realm. Right. The way I look at it, or I started looking at it this last year, was when I went through the histories of quarterbacks where the story was fully written on them, like Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan mm-hmm. and Eli Manning and. Peyton and you know those quarterbacks from the past couple of decades is that a truly great quarterback truly all-time great will give you 10 chances to win a Super Bowl in his career a very very good one will give you five and an average one to upper tier like long-term starter will give you one 
and Matt Stafford won with his one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Good right? for him, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations to him because he played a long time for that one chance. But he, yeah. like Jay Cutler had one chance to win a Super Bowl, and they right. didn't win in the NFC Championship. And uh, anything less than that is just not good enough, and you're always trying to be replaced. And I think the distribution in the draft, if we have you know, five quarterbacks, it's hard to say in this tiny sample because all five could be bad or all five could be good. Yeah. But in odds-wise, I would say about 10% chance of getting someone that either that gives you five, five to ten chances to win a Super Bowl, and you probably have maybe a 40% chance or 50% chance of getting someone who gives you one chance. And then below that one chance would be like your Mitch Trubisky. It's probably another 40%, and then it's probably 10% that it's just the worst player ever. See, I'm more I'm more bullish on it. I, I actually think give it like the the collective bargaining agreement gives NFL teams who do not have a quote franchise quarterback a means to to compete and to compete for Super Bowls. Like this is so I agree with you on the 10%. It might be even a little higher because you look at the league, maybe it's like five of the 32 starters are worth it. Like It's tricky. I'm like pretty conservative when it comes to who actually deserves that second. Like I, you know, To me, a guy like Dak Prescott's right on the boundary, right? And I, and I, I think Dak, and maybe this is what we have to accept a little bit more when, when we've been flooded with Mahomeses and Breezes and all that. Like some of these elite quarterbacks might just be streakier than we're used to, like Stafford and and, and Dak. You know, because I, I, what if Stafford's had Stafford's had really good efficiency a bunch of times in his career, and he's been terrible a bunch of times. And Dak's had within a season the be- he played like the best quarterback in the league for a six week stretch. Then he got injured, and then the Coop- and then Cooper Rush beat the Vikings, and then he was terrible the rest. Of the- you know, not terrible, but he had kind of games where you couldn't win with him in the second half of the year, and that that's the borderline. But that's like five or six quarterbacks, and then. I think that there are it's probably 25% of draft picks at the position are such that you just it, you can't like the guy just is a dud and no yep. matter what you build around him you can't win. Think about and and I guess this is a borderline case but think about like Daniel Jones. The Giants got Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, uh, they drafted uh, Andrew Thomas, they got Will Hernandez. Um you know the 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 question becomes like was Jason Garrett just so bad that like that he heard it but I I think about 20 20 to 25% of quarterbacks drafted in the first round have no shot and that's then that's the irreducibility like there's just maybe jo- maybe just Josh Rosen didn't have it right and and that's okay that's how, that's what happens and i and then i think you know everything left so you know take the you know it ends up being about like 60% i think 60% of those i think 60% of first round draft pick quarterbacks can take a team to the super bowl just by the structure of the league itself, just by what Joe Burrow, for example, gave the Bengals in terms of now they're 58 million under the cap. They, you know, you struggle at least at the beginning. You get another high draft pick. You put a guy next to him, and that that's it, right? Like the the Chargers. The Chargers have 60 like huge cap space, and like that team's going to be a house if they if they do if they do with it. Like it's really hard, and the Bengals might try, but it's really hard to screw up the situation that the Bengals have put themselves in. Right, uh, because they have so much cap space to fill in any needs where they go wrong, like yeah. what we were talking about earlier. So I, If you spend out the probabilities like that, Matt, like then it, the, the, cousins, the Cousins' arguments are all stupid, right? Because, the, you know, because if you're saying that there's like a 60 plus 15, let's say, 75% chance that you got a shot, right? Think about this. 
in the 2015 draft, Jameis Winston went first, Marcus Mariota went second. Neither guy got a fifth year option. Both the Buck, the Bucks and the Titans went from picking one two in 15 to nine and seven in 16. Right? This team would kill for nine and seven right now. And 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 the fan and a small sliver of the fan base, the Kyrgyzstans, are so scared of becoming the Lions that they they forget that in a one year's time, Jameis got Tampa to nine and seven. One year's Mariota had like four straight nine and seven years with the with the Titans. Um, you know, obviously people talk about Goff and Wentz as though they're failures, but took teams both their teams to the Super Bowl. Like, what are we? What are we even doing here? And and they're so afraid of giving up on the the known mediocrity that is a a good but not great quarterback on a veteran deal for what we've just described as really good odds at success. Yeah, I mean, I think that maybe the odds are you've got them a little high in terms of would you have a chance to get there with a guy. But if the baseline is Wentz or Goff, those to me are once-in-a-career guys. Like, those are NFL starters that meet the threshold of being an NFL starter who can win games under very favorable circumstances, who under their rookie contract will give you one shot, which is very specific, but it's not impossible to find the next Carson Wentz. It might be very, very difficult to land the next Patrick Mahomes, but if you land the next Carson Wentz, you can have a lot of success in that window and then move on to the next one and hope that you end up with a Mahomes. But if you don't, you just do it again. But people just trot out the whole, oh, so it's as easy as drafting a Mahomes. It's like that isn't even the argument. The argument is draft – I mean – Think about this. What's the Dolphins' record the last two years? They have a winning record. They have yeah. a. Fi- they're five game. The, the Vikings are three games under five hundred during the same stretch that the Brian Flores Dolphins were five games over five hundred with a a backup quarterback deal for Ryan Fitzpatrick and a and who uh, somebody who has not, not, like Tua has not actually played well. He's played well enough to get this thing on the green and like you know the Vikings aren't signing Byron Jones. The Vikings aren't signing Xavier Howard to an extension. They're not making those plays. They're not signing Will Fuller. They're not signing. They're not. They're not able to make these gambles, even though they have a much better quarterback than the Dolphins do, and the Dolphins are still winning, right? Because again, it's all about how you structure the roster, and the quarterback just the quarterback gives you a chance to be intentional about how you structure your roster. The Vikings quarterback currently does not. So what do they do if they just keep them? Keeping him is just a keeping him for one year, yeah, and you would get it. Like so, this is where I would stand. If 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 it's true, if it's true that no team will take a chance on him, Washington football team won't take a chance on him. Uh, Panthers. I don't think Washington's trading for him. Yeah, like, not with their owner who yeah. calls all the shots there. Well, they, they might, but then they'll send in the the slip to the league. They'll say Kurt Cousins, and the trade will be oh, voided. Um, Wait, does it, does anybody know how to walk into the joke about them more than Cousins when he tweeted out that there was a, somebody yeah. gave him a coffee that said Kurt K I R T? By the way, that's a lot of dairy for him to be consuming. Looked, uh, looked, I just thought I just thought the um, the coffee person must have given it to him in December. <laughs> it's I don't know I don't know, well, if, well, I don't know well, if that joke's gonna land or not. It was uh, it was it was against uh, Caribou across the street who was a, had a winning record. They had him. a good defensive line yeah, in the. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, the, the jokes are probably ending there. The, uh, but so if they are, because the, the hard part is, is if they are convinced that a team will not trade for him 
And I, I personally would take a second-round pick for him. Uh, I think Sage believes that they're going to have to tax some money onto it. That could be the case. Um, one of the things in the league that people have to realize is people are, teams are getting smarter about trades. So the two trades like that are classic examples were, you know, Stephon Gilmore went to the Panthers. The Panthers only had to give up a sixth-round pick because they ate his entire contract. Javon Miller goes to the Los Angeles Rams, and the Rams had to pay a second and third because they were unwilling or unable to take on his money, so Denver kept it. So the, the compensation for Kirk Cousins is very much going to depend upon what the Vikings can do from a, or what the Vikings are willing to do from a taking on some of the cap situation sense, uh, as you said, with uh, getting creative about making a new deal beforehand or whatever. Uh, I, would, I would say I think a second-round pick is perfectly acceptable. Um, but let's say that they don't, or let's say that they're still unsure, right? So let's say let's say they think that Cousins, there's it's still there's still some uncertainty about who he is, and they go into the season, they pay him the forty five million, and ultimately it's like a, a turbo franchise tag essentially. Let him go after they get a third round comp pick if he signed to another team. I personally don't like that, but it's a much better alternative than signing into an extension. I, I do not see a, a rationality to somebody like Quesi Dofamensa having a four-year contract, being and like this. This is kind of a touchy subject, but he's different, right? He's an analytics GM, right? He's when when Chip Kelly became the coach of the Eagles, he had. Tremendous success, and the moment he started to fail, they're like, yep, that kind of thing won't work in the NFL, and they fired him halfway through the Sam Bradford season. He is going to be under extreme scrutiny by people who want to see this game stay in the hands of scouts, stay in the hands of football people, right? And again, those characterizations of Questy are not fair because he is a football person. He's been in the league for a decade. But like, to me, knowing that, there is 0% chance I would waste 75% of my possibly only chance at this job paying Kirk Cousins $40 million. Right. It's almost like when you talk about not playing a quarterback when he's a rookie, you're sort of wasting a year of his rookie contract, which I don't agree with, by the way, because I think that usually quarterbacks are so unsuccessful in their first years that you might as well just have them on the bench and play somebody else. Uh, but there's that theory of, well, we don't want to bench him because it's only one year. It's one year of your contract as a general manager. It's mm -hmm. one sample size year that you're not going to be able to start doing the things that you want to do because you're so restricted. So you can't, I mean, you can draft a quarterback for sure, but you can't sign the free agents that you want to sign. You can't pay them what other teams are willing to pay them. And the number of times is very Twins-like. I know that you used to really follow the Twins closely, mm -hmm. so you'll really appreciate this, is that when the Twins would get to free agency, they'd end up signing somebody that was like third tier, but they were always, quote, in on yeah, yeah, the guys course, who were yeah. first here. And it's like, this has been the Vikings. Well, you know, the Vikings were in on Carl Lawson, or the Vikings were in on, I think it was Brandon Marshall yeah, a few yeah. years ago. Like, I don't know, maybe they were. But you're not ever really in unless you can win that guy, unless you can have the price to pay yeah. po play poker, and they haven't had that. And I know you pointed out that Michael Pierce is the most cash that they've given out to an outside free agent. If you're Kwesi Adolfo Mensa. You have to have a list of dudes that you want on your football team that are free agents that you can't afford 
because of this 45 million and you're going to spend a year when the script is already written if Kirk Cousins is the quarterback for 2022 and the roster is what it looks like right now which is going to be very hard to improve otherwise the script is written you're going nine and eight or you're going eight and nine like that's what you're going to do And and, and look you might hit and get 10 and seven but you're not going to be competitive in the playoffs. Like, I mean, the the whole the whole issue that the funniest thing, the funniest thing about the cousins, like, you know, defenders is like we're not even to like the second stage of the video game yet. <laughs> like, you know, we're 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 not even make yeah, like. I, 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 they, he did have a win against New Orleans, and then the, he lost as a seven and a half point underdog to a team that didn't throw the ball. You know, like so, like we're not even to the point of like competing for a Super Bowl here. It, 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 in in this discussion, which I think, like they gotta, you know, again, like you said, I think that they have to think about how do how do we enhance this roster, and I think it's I think it's pretty much, it's pretty plain that they can't if he if they're carrying him, and you know, a lot of people will point to the over the cap stuff, and I I actually do want to like plug this, the Jason Fitzgerald had a fa- fantastic over the cap podcast uh, earlier this week where he talks about what restructures really mean, and like you know. The, the point of the, the point of being a, of making good decisions in football is not to get cap compliant. It's to get cap healthy. So the Vikings can get cap compliant by doing a bunch of these moves. But you really but the more you restructure, the more it's it's a lock that you either have to extend Harrison Smith when he's like 40 or you got to keep him on the roster, right? And and I, like that's the point that no one comes by with is like do you really want the price of you know of this whole thing being in three years you have guys who have clearly fallen off who have to be on the team because their 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 stuff is guaranteed because you needed this extra little cap space now because you wanted to patch a hole um, uh, due to cousins and I, it's just no more evident than the fact that Sheldon Richardson and Anthony Barr will cost them money on the salary cap and not play for the Vikings I mean it's just yeah. th- that those things make it so difficult for you to win because those are players that and the, you can and the be cap headed. goes up for everybody it yeah, goes up right. for everybody like the deals get bigger so just because the cap's going up or whatever the cap goes up for everybody right you know so that the other teams can spend on carl lawson and you can't the other teams can spend on trey hendrickson and you can't so again there be we're not going to hang a banner for the vikings to be cap compliant every team in the history of the nfl and every season has been cap compliant <laughs> No, that's right. No, that's right. Uh, what else has caught your ear here in Indy? Um, because you know, it just seems like everything is about the quarterback situations. I did a little recap just mm-hmm. for the site yesterday, and like, wow, there's a lot. <laughs> there was a lot of things being said, and teams making statements about certain guys and everything else. And I, I feel like because as we speak right now, the players haven't gotten on the field, they haven't done their forties and things like that which is a little bit of an odd quirk of the fact that I'm flying out before anyone does any workouts, but that's how it always works. Like you come for the teams to talk and to do lots of interviews with people like yourself. And then those other things we don't get to watch anyway. You don't get to cheer on the bench press. (laughs) Right. Uh, So, but the first part of the week is about the buzz and just about like what's going on in the league. And I was wondering what else you've sort of come across just in, in talking to people that's going on here. Well, I think I, well, a couple of things, like, and this is kind of niche. Um, you and I started 
becoming friends in 2016 and it's like the analytics community was a lot smaller i went to a couple uh, of socials yesterday and you can imagine how fun these are without with analytics people in the league and we're talking about like the, the number of people at these things is doubled every year for like you know so these teams are staffing up in that way i think you're going to continue to see smarter and smarter decisions on the field i think it makes the on-field product better like no one wants to see chargers kickers kick field goals no so um so i i, I that's sorry one, nate kading yeah sorry yeah you're just catching a stray here um so that's one thing where i'm i'm really thrilled about uh you know where the league is going in that direction um you know akina kwanu the the uh, tackle for uh, north carolina state he was you know pretty much like 10 to 1 to go first overall like last week um evan neal was the was you know had overtaken aiden hutchinson as the the first overall pick uh favorite uh i think uh neal is still the favorite but i think aquanu is somebody who might end up being that pick um but yeah it's it's a it, you know that, that, that that's the steam here i think you know as far as um you know interestingly on our website we haven't had as much draft interest like it's starting to rev up a little bit but the lack of the lack of perceived talent at the quarterback position is really making the draft unpredictable at this time last year we sort of knew it was going to be Lawrence and Wilson and then we were all kind of wondering if it like we all sort of thought Fields would go three and then it was Chase Sewell you know like they stacked up pretty well at the beginning of the draft and there's a lot of uncertainty here which I think early on that the uncertainty was going was going to make um you know, uh, interest wane a little bit, but I think what it's going to do is it's going to rev up as we sort of try to predict how these dominoes are going to fall, uh, you know, uh, moving, you know, the next month and a half. The, the Cousins and Vikings quarterback situation is so interesting to discuss and get everyone's perspective on it that I have not talked to anyone about almost anything else. Yes. <laughs> Will Raggetts and I had a conversation about defensive ends, and we were both like, yeah, draft one. Okay, back to the quarterback situation. I mean, that, that, that's how it feels – with everything, it feels like the the number one story in the NFL is everyone's quarterback situation, and then everything else is secondary. And until these guys throw, and then maybe some people see Malik Willis let loose mm-hmm. and throw a football and, and get excited about him and start debating a little more based on the workouts and what everyone says, and I think just, just the prediction would be that Malik Willis – is suddenly a top five or seven draft pick. I'm actually just looking at the market right now because it, it, it's moved a lot of different places, um, but it has not moved in this in this one place, and it's kind of interesting how, how slow they're being. But, yeah, the, the Malik Willis thing, the, the, the trophy stuff happened yesterday, right? The, oh, he's a lot smarter than we thought he was and all this kind of nonsense. But um, but there, there's clear talent there. There's clear – and, the, and they're – you know, and, again, I, I, want, I want people to stop sort of thinking about – um, you know, drafting the next franchise quarterback and thinking more about drafting a guy that can be competitive early on, you know. Um, but I think Willis has the best potential of being that, you know, hey, he's going to get the $50 million contract, right? Um, and, you know, I, I sort of said his athleticism reminded me of like kind of a cross between Dante Culpepper and Vince Young. Like I think he has 
I think he's got the speed that Vince Young had, but Dante, he could also run people over like Dante did. Yeah. Isn't it funny, though? Like, Vince Young was bad and still won a ton of games on his rookie contract. Like, yeah, yeah, Vince even, Young made, yeah, exactly. Yeah, even back then. And that was and that was even... In, the, in a different era yeah, with the uh, He was paid a little bit more, yeah, yeah. but but still, like... And, and that also speaks to, by the way, what we said about, what I said about Ritter, but also it speaks to Willis, is if you if your quarterback has mobility, it increases the floor early on. Um, and and Willis certainly has that. Um, I think you know Liberty's kind of a weird you know institution, so it, 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 we sort of don't have experience with that. Um, and maybe that's why he's fallen a little bit. But um, but yeah, I think coming out now, if you look at FanDuel's odds, like Willis is the favorite to go be first quarterback, followed by Pickett uh, and then Howell. Um, and I think after that, you're you're looking more at the the Ritters and, and guys like that. Um, It'll be interesting. I, I mean, if he falls to the Vikings at 12, it's going to be hard for them to pass up, I would say. Especially after last year, they had a quarterback fall to them and decided that's not our guy and moved on. And it wouldn't have – I mean, imagine if they had picked Mac Jones, how different life would be at this moment. It would be almost a foregone conclusion that they would be trading Cousins and stacking the entire team around Jones. Yeah. They just basically – you know, foregoed a year because they decided not to make that decision. And yeah. So maybe ultimately it will play out better because they moved on to a much more progressive and I think honestly intelligent way of doing things. Intentional, right? Yeah. Like I, I think yeah. that the thing about Quesi Dovamensa, like he also, I mean, we, we laugh about the relationship he's having with the head coach and stuff. It's like it's just an intentional thing, right? Like the the reason that the reason that Cousins and Zimmer didn't get along is because neither neither well neither made the effort right there was not an intentionality you know I, i'm imagining zimmer and spielman got along at the beginning of the tenure there but if you're not intentional about making the relationship work it goes away like the, again i think that the the biggest thing that you can sort of uh take from the from the current vikings regime is that there's an intentionality there hopefully it, it stays you know like i think that that's big um as far as other draft stuff just to wrap up I was going to ask your opinion on like positional value stuff because we hear mm. like Quasey didn't want to talk about it as as he shouldn't like yeah yeah oh guys here's how I rank them yeah. <laughs> you know but now it's funny now it's funny because like talking to you and Brad Spielberger and other PFF people is like in a way like Quasey might think this because he yeah. knows the things that you know um, but I was going to ask you like if you were to rank them let's say that they decide that this quarterback class is not for them. Mm -hmm. the, they think, like, let's play this out, and then we'll have total flexibility. There might be somebody that they think is going to be available who's in the NFL now a year down the road. Let's say Russell Wilson. Let's say they think Russell Wilson's not available this year, but he will be next year, and that's our guy. Let's just say. I'm not, like, starting a rumor. I'm just saying, like, it. so they don't draft one. What position should they draft on a roster that literally needs everything? I mean, you could draft any position. What position, if if all prospects are equal at the 12th overall pick at all positions, punter is obviously number one, and then long snapper, and then kicker slash punter in the Corey Vedvik model. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so it's tricky because depth. So – some some positions are weak link systems and some positions are strong link systems. So for a team that needs everything, which is where the Vikings are at, I'm more likely to try to draft an edge player. And the Vikings have never used a first, you know, in the in the Spielman when's the last time 
the Jared Allen was probably the last time they used a first round pick on an edge player. Um, and you know, cause, cause the issue is, is like, if I'm building a defense, I I'm generally speaking, going to draft an edge and then I'm going to take six defensive backs and, and pray five of the six work out or four of the six, like coverage is more important than pass rushing, but coverage is a unit and that, and it's more variable Whereas edge is pretty much a solved problem. Draft a guy who is athletic, who had college production. Danell Hunter, athletic, not college production. Those are those are very rare that they'll actually work out. So at twelve, I mean, if George Karloftis or somebody like that falls to the Vikings, like I think it'd be very hard for them to. And when you look at how the Browns operated, the last first overall pick that wasn't a quarterback was Miles Garrett. That's exactly sort of how the Browns, you know, with Quasi did it. You know, he Miles Garrett was before Quasi, but the mm-hmm. team building standpoint, edge. Mm-hmm. Build the secondary, right, and then, then then pack in, and this is you know, Questy did was here. Pack in the rest of the defensive line with values like Jadavion Clowney on a one year deal, things like that. Yeah. Um, also easier to evaluate corners when they have pass rush help. I think. Yeah, yeah exactly, and and it's it, right. So same same with the offensive line. So the Garrett Bradbury pick was bad because it put so many eggs in one basket, right? Like the goal for off, the, the goal should not be to draft great offensive linemen. The goal should be to draft a great offensive line, which is a little bit different, right? It, it, and and you know, so I would you know throw. I, so offensive line is important, secondary is important, but to me they're a little lower because I'm throwing more numbers at them later in the draft than I am early on. So I'd probably go quarterback, um, wide receiver, edge. And then secondary, offensive line, tight ends kind of de- – it depends upon the tight end, mm-hmm. but then tight end, line, tight, tight end, linebacker, and then running back. And linebackers and running backs to me should not – like I know there, there are some difference makers, and, and we remember the Devin Whites, but most linebackers who are drafted in the first round cannot offer the kind of value that's necessary for the pick to be made. What is Jordan Brooks up to these days? Yeah, no I mean, one knows. Patrick Queen. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, this is great. I'm glad that we could get together and, and do this. Uh, oh, I was going to say that I remember that meme that people were putting out there about like the Penny Sewell versus Jamar Chase. And the problem with the meme was it was like, oh, you know, you can't basically you can't throw it to your receivers if you don't have time to throw. The problem is, if you draft Panay Sewell, he's one of five. He's not five yeah. of five. If you could draft a whole offensive line with one pick, everyone would yeah. do it because of the value. But you, it doesn't fix your entire offensive line where a Jamar Chase actually does transform your offense single-handedly. That's the difference between those two. Randy Moss. Um, I mean, Randy Moss right. is the same thing. I mean, right. it, it, we've, we've seen it in Minnesota, too. So, anyway, well, uh, the PFF forecast is my favorite show, and uh, – You've had a chance to meet with all the teams and everything else. I've had a chance to hang out with a lot of people that I haven't seen in a long time. And the funny thing about the Zoom era is there's so many people that I never met in person where you're like, is that you? Are you you? And uh, it's fun. I'm glad that this event and like, you know, everything aside, like we're not most everybody here is double vaxxed. and, and, And so we don't have to wear masks and stuff at the Super Bowl. It was sort of like trying to infer somebody you've only ever met on zoom while they're wearing a mask oh gosh that, that yeah. was that was a that was an underrated uh challenge there it certainly was so uh great to see you again and uh we will talk again very soon maybe uh maybe after trade yeah fly fly safe man we'll see